Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Adventures in Parenting. I'm Erin. I'm Jessie. And today we're welcoming two very special guests in the studio. Our very own special needs and children's programming coordinator and parent of a child with special needs, Joyce Thompson-Haas. Welcome, Joyce. Hi, thank you. And Trish Graham, the founder and current president of PatMed SEPTA, which, if you didn't know, stands for Special Education Parent Teacher Association. Trish is a professional educator and advocate for children with special needs, living the journey, raising a child with with autism. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, truly. I think this is a topic that a lot of people, it affects their life, and they just don't even really know where to start or who to turn to. We're so happy to have you both here. Trish had said before that she believes knowledge is power, and obviously at the library we agree, so we're here today to help her spread that knowledge. So Trish, why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey, a little bit about SEPTA, how you got that started, and how you know our pal Joyce here. It was said in the intro, I have a, a child with autism and I remember it being very isolating when I first got that diagnosis and I would meet as I was going to these different therapies of the speech therapist the occupational therapist the audiologist and getting all kinds of testing to try and figure out what my child's learning disability was or intellectual disability was and I met other parents that were going on the same journey and they were completely confused and bewildered and at sometimes even felt shame like, yeah. what did they do wrong to have a child with certain kinds of behaviors? So it was like, wow, you know, I'm not alone in this. So fast forward, you know, the first things first, you try and get answers by going to your pediatrician. And a lot of times pediatricians don't know, but they know to send you to a developmental pediatrician because developmental pediatricians have additional knowledge and understand in further depth when your child should be hitting certain benchmarks and when they're delayed or not delayed. So after meeting with the developmental pediatrician, he referred us to a neurologist, an audiologist, and also ophthalmologist to make sure that we were covering all bases Mm -hmm. as to where my child was benchmarking amongst other children their age. And they sent us, once we had like three meetings with a neuropsychologist, we got a diagnosis of autism. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, now I know what it is. Mm -hmm. Now what do I do with this information? So myself, like many parents, think to themselves, well, you know, I'll just go to the school district and they'll tell me what to do. And a lot of them are not going to tell you, you know. In many instances, they can give you a guideline, but you have to educate yourself and ask lots of questions in order to figure out what's best for your child because every child's disability is individual to that child. So you really have to break down what their shortcomings are uh, educationally, developmentally, and say, okay, how am I going to address them? So I was fortunate enough, and I always say God puts people in your path that you need in your life. I met a woman at a dance class for preschoolers, and she happened to be director of an early intervention agency, which early intervention is something that's usually paid by through the county to help kids with their intellectual abilities from like ages birth to preschool. Mm -hmm. And she was like, do you know what to do? And I was like, I have the clue. I was like, where do I start? And she started giving me resources like Autism Speaks and other friends that were in the same situation that had children that were adult children and said, okay, you know, the gold standard, if she's not speaking, you should be trying to get speech five times a week. Uh, What did the doctor say? 
hey, can I see your report? Oh, you know, this report shows that this child is XYZ standard deviations behind in their physical coordination. So you should get occupational therapy at least twice a week. So, you know, you can't count on the, the school to give that to you because once you get the evaluation, it takes a while for them to make a decision as to what your child needs. So we got it privately. Right. And I, we started to see progress and we continue to find these other resources like Autism Speaks. Mm -hmm. So just like there's Autism Speaks for people with children with autism, there's also the Down Syndrome Advocacy, you know, network or and foundation. There are specific to somebody's intellectual disability or learning disability. There are other, I should say, agencies and organizations out there. So I also got familiar with LD America, which is Learning Disability Association of America. And there were suggestions there, like what you should do if you get this diagnosis. But we were fortunate enough to have in our lives Autism Speaks, which had a 100-day kit, which was a big PDF. What you should do within the first 100 days after you get a child, your diagnosis for your child that they have autism is amazing. At any point, did they address your needs as a parent and maybe feeling like overwhelmed by what this means for you now as a parent and caregiver separate from your child's diagnosis and dealing with maybe like a period of like sadness or grief and just that expectation of your child being different than maybe what you thought they were going to be? I guess it's similar to like if your birth plan goes awry and right, you have that right. feeling of depression. It's like you envision your child as being a certain way and then you kind of have to readjust and just say, all right, I have to learn who my child is rather than this like preconceived notion of, you know, who I wanted my child to right. be. And one of the other great organizations that I highly recommend parents with children with special needs to get involved in is Parent to Parent of New York State. The offices here in Hopal, they have these caring for the caregiver like sessions and even over COVID they had them using Zoom. And it was a nice place for people. I want to just say vent. It was almost like a girlfriend's online, you sure. know, or parents online kind of opportunity for people to connect and sound off and find other people that are having the same kind of journey you're having, the same kind of experiences and frustrations you're having. So most definitely, and I have to say, there's almost no stone that Autism Speaks doesn't, you know, touch upon. And if you go to their website, you can, it's amazing. You can find almost anything. And they also have phone numbers where you can call during specified hours to get your individual needs met. So that was a great question. I appreciate you asking that. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like in doing research for the episode, there were so many resources that I came across that I wasn't aware of mm -hmm. for children or young adults, but not as much just focused on the parents. So I was wondering how much of that is included and how soon they even address that with you after the diagnosis. Um, I would say, you know, every parent, it depends too on your personality. If you're like obsessed with trying to fix something, which mm -hmm. you have to learn to let that go and say, okay, we're not trying to, you're not going to fix and right. have a cure right. per se. You are going to give your child the most amount of experiences and opportunities and educators on all levels because therapists are educators so that they can be their best selves. Mm -hmm. And then once I, I personally felt that we were on a path because mm -hmm. you're like, you, you lose your footing. And just like you said, people mourn, they have this, this preconceived notion in their head, like, oh, my kid's going to go to Cornell. Like, right. I went to Cornell. 
whatever. And then you're like, okay, well, that idea is going to be put on hold until we understand what's going on. I think one of the best things you can say to a parent with a child with special needs is take one day at a time. And for every, you know, three things you do for your child, do one thing for yourself, you know. But you have to build your support system and get to that place first. Right. Almost before you can take care of yourself. But it's a, it's a balancing act. Like, mm-hmm. don't make yourself crazy trying to find answers and taking care of yourself. Do you think the fact that there's still this perception of something that needs to be cured or fixed is what holds most parents and kids back? I wouldn't say most parents, but there is that a lot of parents, even when we talk to people with within the special ed, you know, PTA, when people come to us, uh, a lot of them are very emotional and they can't even get the words out. And it's like, listen, you know, your child's not broken. Your child just needs help and you're going to help them. And obviously from your emotion, you love them enough that you're here. So let's see what we can do in order to control the controllables and do what you can do. And let's not focus on what they can't do because you'll be surprised. You'll really be shocked at what your children can do. Like I was explaining to Jesse in the conversation we were having before we came into the podcast is that at this point, my child is, you know, 17 years old and they have surpassed my expectations as to what they could do because they didn't speak in full sentences until they were like five, five and a half, almost six. And it's just amazing when you put, you know, time and effort and education into a child, how they can blossom, you know, because a lot of parents think, you know, a child's an extension of them and that's not the case at all. They're their own being. Yeah. Tell me about it. (laughs) About the world and you're not going to be here forever. So when we wither and pass, they're our legacy. Joyce, what is your experience been? Because your son's a lot younger than Trisha's. Yes, he is going into kindergarten, my baby. <laughs> but my son, um, when he was a little bit before two, I just, um, his speech wasn't where I felt it should be, just from my you know, experience working with those kids. Um, and being involved with SEPTA, kind of reached out to them and be like, oh, I'm not sure what I should do. Like, should you wait? Because, you know, you don't want to compare other kids, your kids right. to other kids mm-hmm. and where they should be. So I got him evaluated through early intervention. Unfortunately, he didn't qualify because um, they're, they're very particular in their ways of how you qualify. They have a mindset, yeah. 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 Um, so I did ended up doing speech privately through insurance. And then once he reached three, um, you can get them evaluated through the school district for preschool uh, in their preschool program. So he qualified and he was getting speech about three times a week. It's continued over the past almost two years. Um, he now gets OT because, you know, once they his speech teacher, they pick up on something and they said, oh, maybe he needs to get evaluated for OT, which is occupational therapy for those who don't know. And he got evaluated, qualified for OT. So um, that's kind of my experience on, you know, in the, as the mom, the mom role, getting my son into the, the special needs world and getting, you know, the IEPs, the all the meetings you have, the CSE meetings, CPSE for the preschool, the transition meetings. So I'm learning a lot, but Trish has been a big help to me. Also, oh, and you. SEPTA, yeah, so. I'm so and what, I, what I'd like to point out is that when I first met Joyce, when we were starting to form the special education PTA, we found all these parents that had life experiences and trying to figure out what was best for their child. And Joyce was newly married. The babies yeah. weren't in the picture. Nope. <laughs> so we met where Joyce didn't have a need. 
And the library has been such a great resource to us because we were able to create some programming, create lists of books to help um, other parents find answers to their questions about a specific and special disability. books that like had a designated SEPTA sticker on it mm-hmm. just so parents came, you know, if SEPTA recommended this book, you know, they knew what the labels to look for. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in getting involved with SEPTA as a librarian because before I was a librarian, I was a teacher. Um, special education that's where my heart lies in the special education world so I'm glad I was able to carry that over into the library world and then connect with SEPTA and it's been a great (laughs) partnership ever since and you know the world is changing like one in five children have some sort of learning disability or intellectual disability so all of us in this world as it's changing need to be more sensitive and more aware of what these children need the last thing they need is judgment. Like, you know, what's wrong with that child? They're screaming at a turn or they're crying uncontrollably or they're hiding under a desk and we can't get them out. Like, oh. For our programs, sometimes we have programs, kids are running around. Let them run around. Right. It's okay, yes. you know. <laughs> exactly. I guess it's it. So Trish and I were talking earlier and we were just saying how because every child's needs so different, it can be hard for parents who are both dealing with it and parents on the outside to try and wrap their minds around it because mm-hmm. it's not black or white. You can't look at one child who has autism and then look at another child with autism and be like, oh, well, they're very similar. They're going to be so different and that can be really hard on all like avenues. So it's wonderful just to get the information out there so people understand that you can't judge. No. Just gotta let it roll. Absolutely. And even like as an educator in the schools, you're always amazed when you give the child the right supports and the right multi-modality ways of learning, whether it's, you know, touch, taste, visual cues, how they blossom. Because I believe firmly that every child has this whole conversation going on in their head and they have wants and needs and desires. And a lot of this behavior is them acting out because they can't get you to understand their world. That's Mm -hmm. right. And that's where we all need to be a little bit, you know, more sensitive. Compassion. Yes, Yes. compassion for sure. Empathy, yeah. 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 And I feel that every parent should understand that. You know, whether your child is neurotypical or neurodivergent, it's all the same. They all have these wants and needs, and they're trying to express them in their own ways. So you would think we would be a little kinder to each other, but (laughs) alas. Yes. Trying to make the world as inclusive as possible. That's right. 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 And there are things going on leaps and bounds. I would say in the last 10 years, more has changed in the last 30. So that's something to be hopeful about. I really, I mean, we see it in TV and media and social media especially, you know. And there's even like podcasts from educators that talk about, you know, how to manage behaviors in the classroom. And then those are things that you should be, you could be doing at home too. Right. You know, because that consistency children like thrive on. Like I love Adaptation Station by Nicole Morris. That's a great podcast. I like, wow, you you get all this training and then all of a sudden you're like, why didn't I think of that? You know, Mm -hmm. just because you hear of a situation and you say to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm living that too. Yeah. And that's the same thing, you know, with SEPTA or you hear it on a podcast. It's information is power. And there's plenty of ways you could get your information. Let's let's all be honest. We live on Long Island. There's there's lots of traffic, yeah. especially in the summer. <laughs> like you go 
plug into a podcast and be educated. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's after you dropped off the kids at daycare and you're alone in the car. And instead of like drowning in your own thoughts, you know, it's kind of your way to connect and gain some knowledge. So it also makes you feel part of a larger community, mm-hmm. especially if you're struggling to make those connections in real life with people or you just feel like there's nobody else around who's kind of going through my specific situation. Absolutely. It's nice to put on those podcasts or you know or whatever it is and you just feel like you connect with them like you've got mm-hmm. a friend somewhere mm-hmm. you know the whole learning challenge community regardless of diagnosis is trying to be more inclusive and what does that mean like uh, neurotypical peers and neurodivergent peers or intellectually challenged peers are trying to learn from the more you know neurotypical students mm-hmm. because they see them as a mentor we even trying to changed our way how we did library programming here you know a couple years years past so maybe you would have a program like designated you know for some people with autism or Mm -hmm. you know to highlight that but now we've changed gears and everything should be and will be all inclusive you know it's um accessible to everyone exactly it doesn't matter you know if you you need something or you know if you need special headphones or us to wear a microphone or something you know we can accommodate you but anybody and everybody is welcome yeah no matter who who you are it benefits everyone it benefits everyone in the room absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so i guess just to get back really to septa uh-huh. Um, and the formation of it. How did that really, how did you do that? Like, how did, did you take, find these people? Off? Yeah. And then. It was absolutely incredible. Like, when I look back on it, we really just wanted to get a bunch of moms together mm-hmm. and trade names of therapists and who was good, who was close by, because a lot of the really premier doctors and therapists were all in Nassau County. Mm-hmm. It would take months to get appointments. Like, mm-hmm. I'm talking like a year to get an appointment. So we were like, okay, not only can we get together and support each other and say, you know, I know you're struggling. You're going to get through this because you can call me at any time and and don't don't feel like you're alone, you know, because a lot of times it it, it affects relationships, it affects marriages because it's very stressful. Just think about how many times somebody loses a job or changes jobs and they didn't think about the insurance is going to pay for something. Right. So, you know, those are some of the things you hear from from other parents. So someone said, you know, well, um, New York State PTA has charters for special education PTA. And I said, really? So one of our school board members was like, yeah, I would like to see that happen. And we had a meeting with administrators and every mom that I had known in my child's class, I was like, okay, who do you know? Mm-hmm. And another mom go, okay, I got this one. And oh, and then another teacher would say, well, I can bring this teacher. And before we knew it, we had like 80 people showing up to wow. this meeting. The power of moms. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> like you put a mom in a, in a room with a, with a problem, you, you can get it solved. You know, it's like, uh, so we should all have moms working on world peace. So <laughs> um, that's the next group you're going to start. Absolutely. <laughs> if anybody could do it. <laughs> so, so how long ago did you actually start SEPTA? Like 2015. When did it Okay. 2015. So then um, we brought New York State, uh, the Suffolk branch of the New York State Special Education PTA and the PTA mentors in. And then the next thing I knew is people were like, oh, I would love to come speak to you at your SEPTA meeting. Did you know I'm a ABA therapist? I'm like, nope, had no clue. And then they'd ask, my child's OT teacher, like, you know, a therapist, could you come? 
Oh, yeah, I would love to speak to them. Oh, do you know Maria Lamont, who she actually recently sold the business, but she had uh, music lessons for special learners. So we have we created a, a session where this musical therapist taught all different kinds of children with different learning challenges, you know, how to learn words to a song or how to do counting or how to learn vocabulary about about animals in the ocean all through the power of music. So it makes, and that's how it just took off. We just started getting guest speakers and someone had an idea and, and we would say, okay, why don't you come and join the board when we, you know, have elections, put your name on the slate. And then somebody else came to me and said, you know, we really should have like a scholarship fund. And I was like, all right, well, we have no money. How are we going to do that? <laughs> oh, I'll have, you know, I'll create an, an auction, a silent auction opportunity. And I'm like, mazel tov, you do it. This is how we're going to do it. Okay. And then the next thing I know is eight years later we've given away close to ten thousand dollars in scholarships wow. for kids with learning disabilities yeah, of, of, you know and, and the scholarships are not just for college they're for vocational programs and other you know state accredited educational programs such as like construction mm-hmm. uh, equipment training and, and things of that nature uh, plumbing to help so, them live the best life that they can yes, like you said earlier to be independent to, yes because number one job as a parent is to make your child independent and thrive and be their own power in the world you know yeah so that's that's how SEPTA got started <laughs> it was just like and so on and so on and so on and so I would encourage anybody that wants to start something to create a network first and then find resources and say, how do we make this happen? And keep saying that to multiple people until you figure it out. Right. That kind of seems to be this entire experience, whether you're trying to start a support group or you're just finding out that maybe your child might have special needs or a learning mm-hmm. challenge. It seems to be just a lot of advocacy mm-hmm. and... I always say you have to be your own advocate. Yes. Absolutely. And just like committing to getting it done and fighting through the the valleys you know Mm -hmm. and climbing the peaks like that just seems what it is but obviously there's such a need that considering that SEPTA grew so quickly Mm -hmm. with so many people there's a need out there so that also means there's support out there Mm -hmm. there's so many people so that's amazing that you did that oh thank you and you know what I love when I can I only have one child because I started late. So I don't have another child to say, like, people that have, like, five kids, they're like, oh, I can hand, you know, this clothing down to this one, or I can tell you about this teacher is works best with this kind of kid. I have nobody to impart that knowledge to because I'm, I'm not that I'm done, but, you know, I don't have other children other than my students now to share that knowledge with. So I really love that we can impart knowledge and change lives. Yeah, you're empowering lives right yeah. now. Is, Absolutely. That's what it is. You're giving people the path that you've already forged and you're saying, come this way. Right. And that's so important and powerful. Oh, thank you. And it's also giving support. Like, yeah. sometimes you know what you have to do, but you know how hard it is to do it. Sure. So you just need somebody to say, listen, okay? And and I had this with a parent and they were like, school's not doing this. I'm so frustrated. You know, I paid somebody to help me out and they're not doing And I'm like, stop, 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 stop. You, you can vent. It's cool. But 
are you getting to what you want to do, what you want to accomplish? Because at the end of the day, when your kid's like either through school or done with this therapist, you're the parent and your job is to give your child the best that you can. Right. To make them be the best that they can be. And then, like the mom said, I need that. I need that kick in the butt. Right. Thank you. Because sometimes you just dragging my feet. I don't want to hand in the paperwork. Oh, mm -hmm. this one's not calling me back. That one's not calling me back. I, I don't know what to do next. Right. And you just need other people to say, you're doing all the right things. You just got to keep doing it. Yeah, you got mm -hmm. this. You got this. Right, exactly. Some part. Are so. there groups to help you manage, like, when you have multiple children in the house and one of them has special needs? How to maintain a certain dynamic with the rest of the kids in the house? Because if you have a child that has special needs, they're going to get a lot more of your time mm -hmm. sometimes, you know? Yes, so, absolutely. Do you have, like, support groups for that? Do you have places that you could recommend for people who are struggling, you know, with other children in the house? Yes. Parent to Parent, New York State, the Suffolk County office, Dodie Daniels. Calling him out by name. Her, yeah, uh, well, she's the regional coordinator for Long Island. Get ready, Dodie. And, and, and Val Cole is her, uh, you know, is her supervisor. You can email P, and this is on the resource guide that, that I created that'll be up on the PMLIB.org website, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the phone number for Dodie is 631-434-6196. And once a year, they usually have something called sib shops for kids that are the siblings of mm. other kids in their family with special needs so that they feel, you know, included. And they're given the tools and the emotional space to be the best sibling that they can be as well as be themselves. Because a lot of times children with special needs take up the majority of a parent's time and a lot of siblings can feel either left out or, you know, what about me? So they do different sibling workshops. So I, I highly recommend them. Being a parent is just nonstop juggling. Absolutely. Nonstop juggling. And there's never... No matter how old they are. Right. Yeah, no matter <laughs> right. how old they are, they say little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Yes. <laughs> Every cliche is true. Yes. <laughs> Every single one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And then um, regardless of how old they are, they're always your child. They're yeah. always your baby. Yeah. Sure. So letting go sometimes is one of the hardest things, especially after you see how far they've come. Right. But that means you did the right thing. That's yep. right. You know? Yeah. They're able to spread their wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to cry. No, 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 um, so you kind of touched on this before, but just listening to Joyce kind of walk through the steps that you've had to take, just listening, it's overwhelming mm -hmm. to hear all the steps. So advice that you would give parents who are going through this or about to go through it or feeling hopeless, what's just something that you would just, you know, say to them to be like... You mean like procedure-wise or just like... No, just, yeah. Just, emotional Yeah, emotional-wise. Because I think procedure-wise, I feel like you're kind of figuring it out yes. as you're going, yep. you yeah. know, right. and it's mm -hmm. one path illuminates another and you right. keep going. But emotionally, I feel that mm -hmm. that has to be so mm -hmm. draining and you just mm -hmm. want the answer mm -hmm. and you just want the help. So if anyone's listening to this now trying to look for those answers, what's like your golden go-to phrase? <laughs> 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 like you did for that other mom. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say, always trust your gut and never give up mm. so if you feel like something isn't right trust your gut and keep going and asking for help from all the different resources until you get an answer and your gut feels settled so for instance my 
daughter wasn't tall. Mm-hmm. So I was like, they talked about selective mutism. They talked about autism. You know, they talked about different challenges. This is in the beginning, before we went to a developmental pediatrician. You know, mm-hmm. this is just dealing with, uh, it was for over a year, with the pediatrician and saying like, okay, what do I do next? Because I'm not, I'm not getting to the answer that I think I should be getting to, and I'm losing valuable time because the older they get, you know, the more, the more solid they get in their development. And right. you want to think, oh, I only have to like age 12 for a lot of the skills to really solidify. Yeah. So I would say always trust your gut because a parent's gut about their child because they're part of them really is your your gift. Yeah. Right. And trust yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Yeah. Even when somebody makes you feel like you don't know what you're talking about, you know your child better than yes. someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember saying in um an annual meeting to a teacher and he, he was going off and this you know she doesn't do this doesn't do that I said I understand that you have her what six hours a day and I have her for the other 18 but I could tell you that you know out of those six hours take out lunch take out gym all the other specials and then putting them on the bus and packing them up and getting them unpacked you really have them for four so if I'm going to trust your judgment or my judgment we're going to go with me right and you always have to be fierce you always have to be that mama bear yeah or papa bear for your child yes like you can't beat yourself up too. Like if you think like you know you said till age twelve, if you you know your child maybe is six or seven, and you might think you know I should get them evaluated for something, and they do get a diagnosis. Oh, mm-hmm. why didn't I do that earlier? Or right. you know, it's like you can't beat yourself up over that. It's no. okay. You're in the moment now. From here on, now you That's figure right. out the best path for them rather than like what I should have done or right. I right. could have done this or should have done this. Right. Because so regrets yeah. are not productive. No. Yeah. No. And that's for all parents. Absolutely. Give yourself some grace. Ages. You're yeah. doing your best you're yeah. trying your best Absolutely. i think as librarians too we have to advocate for a certain level of research yes quality, fair. Yes, fair. quality information Absolutely. like if you know if you're taking things into your own hands and you're following up on something or you have this gut feeling that there's got to be more information out there about you know this that and whatever talk to your librarians like we'll mm-hmm. help you find credible medical resources keyword credible i'm Art. guessing like everything else there's a ton of misinformation yes. oh yes <laughs> Absolutely. You can search the internet looking for the answer you want and find it. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Find the mom on Facebook who's just ranting and raving. Right. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And and you know be wary of anybody trying to sell you something to yes. cure. Mm-hmm. I remember early on there was this group who were trying to get us to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on treatments that would drain the bad metals out of your uh, child because that's what was causing mm-hmm. autism. Like, no. You know, so you gotta say to yourself, you have to look into proven methods, proven educators, proven therapists whenever you're dealing with trying to get your child to progress. And always say, progress is progress. not perfection. That's right. But the goal is progress. Mm-hmm. I feel like even with like therapists too, like you know, speech, OT, whatever it is, you find the right fit for your child. You know, mm-hmm. you might come across or get paired up with somebody and you're like, you know what, this is just not working out. You move on to the next one. You right. don't have to be committed to who you start off with. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you find stick the right it out because yes. you know they're convenient because they're around the corner. Right. It right. may be mm-hmm. worth it to drive out to Riverhead. Yeah. Right. right. 
And it's like you said before, too, especially here, there are so many resources on this tiny, crowded island Mm -hmm. that you really have the option to find what works for you and what Mm -hmm. feels like a good fit. You're not stuck. It's not like we live in a little small town and there's one (laughs) doctor that can help you. No, we're Um, really blessed here, absolutely. Truly. At least least we're paying for something. (laughs) (laughs) Accessibility to a lot of people that know what they're doing. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. There's so much. I know. There's really so much. Like, I feel like we could do this for like another hour. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Easy. Easy. (laughs) Joyce is like, please no. (laughs) I don't take care of my children. I know. (laughs) Same. I also do. Um, But we had sent you, or you actually sent this to us. and so, do you want to just go over again? I'm sorry if I don't want to be redundant about no. it, but if you steps to take if you think that your child might have special needs, like okay. the very first thing that you Absolutely. do and what you're kind of looking for and who you should talk to. Okay, so if you suspect that your child, you know, has a learning disability or an intellectual delay, and a lot of times, you know, children that have difficult births or the disability is a parent, like in the hospital when they're Mm -hmm. born, they're almost slated for early intervention because everybody seems to jump on board. But if you suspect, if your child's in school and you've always kind of like wondered why they're not speaking as quickly as their peers Mm -hmm. or they're struggling with writing and you really don't know what to do, go to your pediatrician and say, listen, this is what I I notice Mm -hmm. and bring work or... um, give examples of why you're concerned and ask if it's they believe that you should go see a developmental pediatrician. Mm-hmm. But we'll go back to that. And then the developmental pediatrician will give you, you share the same information with the developmental pediatrician. They will do probably some tests or they will say, okay, you should go see a neuropsychologist. You should see an audiologist. This is this is what I think you should do based on what I'm seeing and by what you described. So then you're going to get a whole bunch of you know written reports and you want to analyze that test data with the professionals and you want to say, okay, I noticed that my child's in the 65th percentile. You know, what does this mean? Like, right. what is the... You know, my child is two standard deviations from the middle, the mean, of what they should be at. Like, why is that cause for concern? And how can we help this child in order to improve in those areas? Are they able to improve in in those areas? And then you want to speak to your child's teacher about your concerns and bring samples of your child's work to illustrate concerns. A lot of times you've already done that before you've gone to the doctor, but then you go to child teacher or teachers like do you think I should be asking for an educational evaluation from the special education department and the teachers most of the time will be really straightforward yes or no and then you would find out like in our school district it's pupil services and you would write them a letter and you would say I am concerned because I have received XYZ reports from my developmental pediatrician or neuropsychologist and I feel that my child needs an educational evaluation and then they have to respond and if they don't respond right away you gotta stay on top of it and then they should send you paperwork to ask your permission for testing and then once you sign that paperwork and return it to them they have 60 days to respond Mm 
So I've heard from parents that it can be tricky to get the school school's involvement if you don't have a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about like all the tests and everything. Mm-hmm. So what happens if you get all these test results from the um, developmental pediatrician and all these other test results, but they don't have like an actual diagnosis? Or would you have a diagnosis? You, by that you point? would get a diagnosis okay. probably, but not always. Right. You know, it might just be more of a weakness and a learning, you know, disability. Or they may say like, uh, for instance, they kind of in my personal case with, with my child, they suspected there was something going on with processing, that the mm. processing was slow, but this was going on developmentally. They had to wait to age nine for it to be appropriate for right. testing for auditory processing disorder. So that's why I say, yeah, sometimes you unfortunately have to wait, but despite the diagnosis, there are things that can be done from the teacher, Yeah, you know, you working with your teacher as a team as to how to help your child. So maybe if your child is processing things slowly without an official diagnosis, you may use more visual cues, mm-hmm. like, you know, flashcards or pictorial representation and a word. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times children with processing delays have great memories like are great visual learners mm-hmm. and there are different ways that they can compensate and the teachers know that especially if they have any um, special education background sure they know what you know they can do right. or they could suggest certain websites or certain apps right so basically if you if you hit a roadblock mm-hmm. there are other ways around until mm-hmm. you get where you need to be Absolutely. And and if you like, and this happens all the time, there's not a week that goes by that I don't get a call from a parent. If you're like, okay, I feel like this is happening, but you know, I'm not getting this from the teacher. How, how do I, you know, what do I do to be heard? Mm-hmm. You know, better sometimes it's just talking to another parent that has a child with special needs who's been through it before, how to say something or just meet over a cup of coffee and say, like, you know, show me, show me evidence. Like, pretend Mm -hmm. that you're a lawyer and how would you prove your case for what you're feeling about, you know, Angie? Why? Mm -hmm why she's not reading well or because right. like dyslexia is also a learning disability that's very hard to diagnose sure so there's all kinds of tests and diagnostics and solutions that you can use to help your child like compensate educationally yeah so again it's like keep asking for resources and if it's not finding out like from a septa there's new york special aid quality assurance office mm-hmm. of suffolk county that you can call which is also in that one page of incredible resources and say okay this is where i'm at you know i have a roadblock right maybe your school district doesn't have a septa you know this is somebody who has years and years of experience that can say to you well have you ever thought of this right try that yes Mm -hmm. you know so that's that's where i hope i answered your question yeah you did (laughs) no of course you did so and then always keep your child's principal and teacher updated about anything you do do so that they can start to get on the same page as you i would think keeping a diary or Mm -hmm. a log would be super helpful absolutely Um, and one of the septa meetings trish gave everyone every parent a binder and i have all my information in there and you wouldn't think like, oh my, you know, all your paperwork's all over the place. Get a binder. Yeah, Keep it all your stuff. Everything, every piece of paper that you get from the school, from the doctors. Keep it in that binder. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it makes so much sense because even just regular like well visits for my kids, they'll be like, oh, did such and such happen? I'm like, I don't know. 
(laughs) So, yeah, that makes sense. And even keeping a personal diary, because sometimes, like, I would write, oh, you know, it's funny, I was looking through um, a preschool communication book that I had for my daughter, and I was like, my daughter said their first full sentence today, clouds look like poo. You know what I mean? It was like, and they meant Winnie the Pooh. And that they had seen it on a TV show, and I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, here I'm looking, you know, 10 years later, and or like 12 years later, and they're in honor society. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, or... It's so important for your mental and emotional stamina, like we were absolutely. talking about before. Yeah. It's like you lose track of all these little milestones mm-hmm. and, you know, all these little moments, mm-hmm. and it's what a great way to kind of keep your you know keep yourself up and moving forward and positive right yeah you know looking back like to see how far your child has come alternately to notice if something is or isn't working you know mm-hmm. like to see what's changing across the the treatments over the years absolutely and you know there's all kinds of treatments for different challenges like coordination also comes a lot of times it's, it's a problem with a lot of like kids on the spectrum so there was like this handball therapy called balavistics that was like developed in Oregon that not a lot of occupational therapists in school setting would know but the private teacher knew about and why it was important with coordination is you know they're not tripping their over their own feet and Mm. injuring themselves and you know hand-eye coordination which is important for in case things fall and you know you want to protect yourself these are things like we don't think about that we take for granted so like you said you always have to you know be positive and every day I used to in the very beginning when I was so frustrated I would say what was the good and the bad and where do we make progress and there had to be progress even in the littlest of things like did my kid attend and listen to the teacher for more than five minutes in the beginning oh now they're 10 minutes oh okay can they write their name can they identify all their colors like in the very beginning you know and you know you try to stay away from also the parents that are always like well my kid what do they say? Like comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, oh, absolutely. It's so hard True. not to do, but you okay. have to do it. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> absolutely. And I think to Joyce's point earlier, like if you're listening to this, because I always think about the listener, and you're thinking, my kid is nine. I have done none of this stuff. I don't mm-hmm. have the binder. I haven't been keeping the log. Like it's okay. Right. Like deep breaths. We're going to start from today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just now you you know who said it. I'm going to say it was Oprah, but I feel like it was probably Maya Angelou. (laughs) When you know better, you do better. Like, yes. So every day you're learning too. So try to be kind to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is a great place to mention if you or someone you know wants to get in touch with Trish and her organization, you can find them on Facebook as Patrick Medford Septa, on YouTube as Pat Med Septa, and you can also email her at patmedsepta at gmail.com. Can I ask a dumb question about SEPTA? Yeah, sure. So let's say I have a three-year-old with special needs. Can I join SEPTA? Absolutely. Okay. You don't. You don't even have to be your. If you had a mother who lived in Florida, she can join. You know. You don't have to be SEPTA. in the district. No, you don't have to be in the district. Is Absolutely that like an not. official thing or just a yes. trash thing? No, that's a, no, that's an <laughs> official thing yeah. for like all you know PTAs. Really? So yeah, no, you don't have to to support. That's wonderful. You know, and like memberships like ten bucks. Right. And the whole year. So the whole year, <laughs> yeah. and it's cheap. 
deep. And like, I have parents that come for like one meeting all year, or they come to one event for all year. They always say, you know, it's it's worth coming back. That's why it paid for itself. Monday yeah. nights, yeah. once a month. Yes. Seven o'clock at yeah. Saxon Middle School. Yeah. Do you guys do a Zoom too? We have done Zoom, especially over the pandemic, and we're trying to to navigate that part so that's sure. one of our goals for this year to have maybe coincide sure. so well if you want to host it at the library we can help you oh with that okay in the past that's yeah, right i remember I'll do it again. Yeah. okay okay <laughs> Sorry. making more work for joyce right now <laughs> thanks jesse <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm willing and able so. <laughs> this is great truly so great i'm glad i'm glad to be of a, a valuable service you know, because it's it's not easy being a parent. It's even tougher to be a special needs parent. Sure. I just yeah. keep thinking about what you said earlier about the first woman you met. And you were saying how God puts people in your path. Like, she, she was put in your path. And now you're doing this. And now you are that woman for so <laughs> right. many. Now you're, you're all up in everybody's path. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, that's an unbelievable, like, turn of the universe mm-hmm. that you two met. And now you are who you are. So you took that and you're just... She's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm going to cry again. No, stop. <laughs> I, I, I can tell mom. you guys caught me on an emotional night today. And I can tell you, like, you never stop learning. Like, right. we had a meeting the other night, and, like, somebody that I know for, you know, almost 10 years now, she taught me something that, you know, that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. So that's why not only sometimes we can put blinders on because we're focusing on our kid and moving them forward in our way, but not only is it you gaining knowledge to do what you have to do for your family and your children, you know, you always have to remember that you have to give and be open to exchange from somebody else. Right. Too. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, ah, that information is not pertinent to me, but I can call Colleen. Colleen would benefit from that information. I'll be right. like, my husband's like, who are you on the phone with? I'm like, it's Sunday night. You know I make calls. Yeah, you know how I make calls. Until I'm done making calls. <laughs> so, and he's like, all right, you do you. Yeah. Right. He's like, if, as long as that makes you happy. And I said, it absolutely makes me happy to know that, you know, you can change a child's life. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, and they're going to be here longer than we are. So, you know, a brighter future for a child benefits everyone. That's right. So. I was just going to say, on that beautiful note, if someone you know wants to get in touch with Trish, you can find them on Facebook, you can find them on YouTube, and you can always email her at patmedsepta at gmail.com. No matter where you are in the world, you don't have to be in Patrick Medford. You can stop by the library, come say hi to Joyce, Jesse, me, um, attend any of the programs that we've got going on here. You can also email us at podcast at pmlib.org send us suggestions and thoughts or whatever else is on your mind. And look out for Trish's list of resources on the website included with this podcast.